Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins. Joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B Scott. We've got, you know, just like the past few weeks, a lot of football to talk about. We're gonna put a bow on the college football season. We're gonna wrap that up. We're gonna talk some Colts as their season is now over. And we've also uh, got some previewing of the NFL divisional round to do. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Really excited uh, to get into it with you, B Scott. But first of all, man, how was your weekend? Oh, it was a busy weekend. Lots of coaching and other just general work. How about yours? How was yours? Mine was good. I mean, worked a little bit, watched a little bit of football. Um, unfortunately, watched the Colts season end um, a little bit too soon. Although, spoiler alert, uh, I think they uh, did fumble on that last possession there. So they did I, get a, they did get a chance, admit, at least at the end, that they probably shouldn't have had. I will admit. I was so tired. I went and I took a nap at halftime. I got and you. I did not see the entire second half. I mean, hey, I mean, because so, yeah, didn't didn't your did your wrestling team like did they win some the tournament this weekend or something like that? Uh, my girls' team uh, competed in uh, the girls' regionals, and one of my freshmen qualified for state. So I was out really late Friday coaching at a tournament, and then practice. Uh, 9 a.m. on Saturday morning and uh, some work for the NCAA all in one day. So, yeah, you were you were putting in the work. You were getting that getting that bread, I think, is what the kids say now. Right. Is that what they say now? Is that is that what they go by? But, I don't um, know. I'm too old to know what the kids say. <laughs> um, but I, see I'm now, old enough now that I can say back in my day. Yeah. See, a lot of but see, here's the thing. A lot of those like successful like radio shows and podcasts. They have, like, if it's a sports one, they have, like, coach. So they have, like, I can call you Coach B. Scott, and already we've got, like, a lot more clout and a lot more cred. So I like go. that. <laughs> they call me Coach B. Coach B. All right. I like it. Uh, well, of course, as you guys know, we are on a different day this week, and that is, of course, because of the college football playoff. Um, and so that's where, we're, where we are going to start tonight. Um, you know, uh, the college football season ends with the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, getting their, what is it now, sixth championship under Nick Saban. Um, yeah. So, you know, they just basically put it on uh, Ohio State. They win 52-24. to 24. Uh, Matt Jones has an incredible day. He throws five touchdowns. Najee Harris gets two touchdowns on the ground, one through the air. Devonta Smith, three touchdowns through the air. Um, so, Record you know. First half. Record for Zap, and sadly, he hurt his hand. Oh, geez, I didn't know that. I yeah, he, he left the field and came. He was out there celebrating after the game with a cast on his hand. Yeah, I mean, just an incredible performance. Uh, you know, you know, by the Alabama Crimson Tide, and I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as much as you know, hey, we we don't like to gas up Alabama unless we absolutely have to. But you know what? I mean. They put on a great season. They beat the number three team twice this season, uh, both by, you know, double digits, both by three scores. They beat their uh, two opponents in the college football playoff by three scores. They beat, um, you know, pretty much everybody on their schedule by, you know, at least multiple touchdowns. The rest, the only uh, exception to that was Florida in the SEC championship game, and that's only because Kyle Trask got, you know, was able to throw a kind of a garbage time touchdown there. So, 
Alabama, as much as we like to kind of dog on them sometimes and say that, you know, sometimes, you know, some seasons they're overrated, but this was not one of those seasons. So, you know, it was entertaining. The game itself was entertaining for maybe the first quarter and a half. And then if you like to watch, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner, I didn't realize that it like basically this is the first time, you know, well, technically I was born with the last time a wide receiver won the Heisman, but I was like literally less than a year old when Desmond Howard won it. Yeah. In, uh, yeah, 1991. In yeah. So, I mean, the fact that it's the first wide receiver to win the Heisman in 30 years and you kind of watched him put on a show, uh, kind of the rest of that game. I mean, um, you know, it was pretty incredible to watch. So, uh, it, you know, it was a, it was a solid game, obviously, you know, for the sake of just being different, you kind of wanted Ohio state to win. Cause I didn't even register in my brain that they hadn't even been to the national championship since 2014. Um, so you know, so, uh, you know, the fact they got an opportunity and I was like, hey, it's something different and something not Alabama Clemson, um, you know, so that was kind of refreshing. Uh, but overall, I mean, it was a it was it was an entertaining game. I was entertained. It wasn't obviously close. But it was just fun to watch that Alabama offense go. Yeah, it was interesting. Like when I watch Ohio State play in the Big Ten, you know, Big Ten, those are big guys. You know, they're not small at all. Um even though I feel like Purdue players are always so s- small compared to everybody else, but Ohio state, when they line up against other big 10 teams, it's like uh, men against boys. I felt that way about Alabama against Ohio state. I don't know what it is about them that like, I don't know what they feed them in that program, but these guys are just built differently. I mean, Devonta Smith is like, super tall with arms that go stretched down to his ankles. I mean, he, he's built to be a wide receiver. It, it's crazy. And then you see what they've had in the past with like uh, Travis Henry. I mean, him standing next, to, there's a picture of him standing next to Mark Ingram, a couple national championships ago. And he just looks like this monster. I mean, it's just like, what, what do they feed them down there? And what's funny is that I think it's the head strength and conditioning coach now, or one of the strength and conditioning coaches for the program is from Avon. He used to be the strength and conditioning coach at Avon high school. And now he's the strength and conditioning coach at Alabama. I mean, whatever he's doing, he's doing something right because those guys are just huge. But I mean, this Alabama team was just on a different level. I mean, Ohio state was definitely no slouch of a team and, it just, I, I don't think anybody was going to truly going to be able to stop Alabama this year. I don't even think Clemson even remotely stood a chance in that game either. I mean, it's, they were, ju- they're just built differently year in and year out. Now, the best thing I've seen about the entire game um, today was if people have been posting this, that uh, it's like Nick Saban's playing NCAA football 14 and he's beaten the game so badly with Alabama that he's going to re in dynasty mode that he's going to have to restart it at, at or go back and be like Wyoming or something kind of similar to what you would do. You know, you would win. And when you do dynasty mode, you win those championships and then you go somewhere else for an even bigger challenge and try to win more championships. That's like what Nick Saban's doing here at Alabama. I'm not saying he's going to go to Wyoming, but um, yeah, it's just unreal. The amount of success that he's had. Yeah, I mean, Nick Saban needs to start doing like what Theo Epstein has done in baseball and just start going to all these schools just so they can get them national championships. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and that's kind of the crazy thing too is that like, you know, it was cool to see Ohio State in there. 
uh, just to be something different. But at the same time, you know, you think the only team that maybe could have even matched up with Alabama is Clemson. And then who knows if they would have even been close. Um, I mean, so, Ohio State I mean, took Clemson to the woods. Right. And like the Big Ten was a little bit down this year. So like Alabama was without a doubt, obviously the best team all season. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we can say, oh man, it would have been nice to see somebody different win all we want. But at the same time, they played very good football all season. Hats off to Nick Saban for what he's been able to do. And props to Ohio State too. I mean, this this was a team that was having some COVID issues. I mean, they were without the their star running back from the past few weeks, Trey Sermon. I mean, yeah, they had Master Teague back, but Master Teague is a different type of runner than Trey Sermon. To be able to have their, to be missing that one-two punch. That was huge. But for the fact that Ohio State actually hung with Alabama through most of the first half was quite impressive. You know, it, I mean, it looked like there for a while. It's like, OK, the, per- the team that's going to win this game is going to be the one that has the ball last. Um, unfortunately, that did not happen. I don't think Ohio did Ohio State even force a punt. I don't think so. No. Game? I mean, no. the only time Alabama did not yeah. score was probably when the clock ran out and there was that. uh fumble by Mac Jones. So, but Hey, you know, still hats off to Ohio state to come in and play a shortened season and be able to uh, cast off one of your demons and Clemson and for uh, Justin Fields to play the way he did with so many people doubting him, you know, props to them. They, they definitely, they definitely deserve to play in that game, but you know, Alabama was just, far beyond better than probably anybody else in the entire country. Absolutely. And speaking of the entire country, we're going to kind of tie a bow up on the, uh, on, on the college football season. Final rankings come out. Um, I mean, you've got obviously Alabama one, Clemson two, Ohio state three, uh, Notre Dame four. Wait, is that the that's final college, college football playoff rankings? The final actual rankings are this. Sorry, my bad. It's looking at the wrong column there. Uh, Alabama one, Ohio State two, Clemson three, Texas A&M uh, bumps up to four, Notre Dame rounds out the top five. But the thing I want to get to probably the most is the Ball State Fighting Cardinals, the fiercest robin-sized bird in the land. The, Ro- the Harvard of the Midwest finishes their season ranked number 23rd in the country. They beat a ranked team for their bowl win. They won the MAC championship game, and to think, this all started with a loss against Miami of Ohio at the beginning of the season. Pretty crazy to think about that. Um, hey, so, Ball- they not lost to Miami of Ohio, we may be talking Alabama versus Ball State. Hey, we always we always no. said we wanted Bama, right? No, no, no. <laughs> I was actually a bit surprised that Ball State was not ranked higher than that. Um, but I guess when I look at the teams that are right ahead of them, it's like USC and Miami. Um, yeah. So you know those teams were were good teams. But hey, at I, least I was, kind of, I was a little bit surprised that they may that they probably weren't, you know, in the 21, 20, 21 range. Um, they were just ahead of San Jose State and Buffalo. So also, that was kind of disappointing. Also, the fact that they I think of those with the exception of USC, I think they played uh, probably the fewest games of the teams in front of them. Miami played 11 games. Oklahoma State played 11 games. Texas played 10. North Carolina played 12. Liberty played 11. Um, so, I mean, I think it's kind of – I think I think once it got down to – because, I think, I mean, obviously Ohio State was up there because we all knew they were going to be a great team going into the season, no matter if they played one game or, you know, 12 games. 
Um, you know, I think they kind of took that into consideration, the fewer games, you know, as they went on down the list. And also, I mean, the loss to Miami doesn't help either. I mean, no. you know, they obviously didn't get an opportunity to go play, you know, a team out of their conference that might have given them a little bit more cred. I mean, most of these teams. I mean, San either. Jose State, that doesn't give you enough cred? I'm saying like enough, like a like oh, they would have they would have picked off like a non group or if they would have picked off like a low level power IU. five school yeah like I like but yeah because they would have had the, I think they would have played IU this season if it weren't for COVID I think so yeah yeah so that would have been an intriguing matchup right like little little did we know that would be the battle for Indiana supremacy final um, two thoughts for me though for for about those rankings yeah one big shout out to the MAC getting two teams in the final top 25. Oh yeah. That's like the first time in ever. So that's great. Um, and secondly, preseason early, way too early uh, 2021 rankings have come out and I hope they stick because I just, I have a feeling this is going to be an absolute disaster, but preseason rankings already IU 10th in the country. No, no. That, oh. is, that is asking for them to be on a list of biggest busts of the season easily or most overrated teams of the season. Oh yeah. That's Penn state's not going to be bad again. Michigan's not going to be bad again. Ohio state just re restocks. They don't, they don't rebuild. And I mean, Wisconsin's not going to be bad. Purdue's going to get better. I th- after they got rid of nope. <laughs> can- after they got rid of the cancer of the locker room and Bob Diaco. Yeah. So yeah, I hope, I hope they start 10th in the season because that just to hear all the IU fans chirping about that. And then they come out and lay an egg. Yeah. It'll be like basketball, but on a, on a lesser scale when they come out preseason. Yeah, number one. yeah, exactly. It'll be when they come out like ranked number like ranked top five in the country and then finish the season unranked in basketball. Yeah. Um, but no, so yeah, one final thought on Ball State real quick, though, is I think we were talking about it last week. I think this solidifies them as the best uh, team in program history. Just the fact that you end the season ranked for the first time ever, you end, you win a bowl game for the first time ever, and you won the MAC championship for the first time in 24 years. And watch so, out for them next year. Yeah. They're they're, gonna be tough. Their, their big campaign right now is run it back. And um, already Mac defensive player of the year, Brandon Martin has said that he's going to come back for that extra year of eligibility. So they, they, they want to prove it again. And I, I think they're going to be, a, they're going to be a very tough team. If they can run back a couple of the, some of those players, they, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see them starting up preseason around the top 25 as well. All right. Well, that wraps up the college football season. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was a very interesting season, um, you know, and, and I'm excited to see, hopefully we get a full season next year to kind of see how some of these storylines play out. Um, but we're going to now go on and switch on to some talk about wildcard weekend, get some NFL playoff talk in, but first let's get a quick word from anchor. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps and your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. 
All right, real quick, before we get into the talk about Wild Card Weekend, I do want to give a couple quick shout-outs uh, very quickly. Um, I didn't really need to say quickly twice, though, did I? Um, so, so go really fast. We're gonna, we're gonna, it's gonna be fast, guys. Pay attention. Uh, first of all, I want to uh, thank you guys for all the support on uh, the uh, YouTube video this past week. Um, I, I know it's just the podcast, you know, the video version of the podcast, but y'all showed up, you know, got us our second highest viewed video, uh, you know, in channel history, as well as uh, the, the highest uh, viewed podcast that we've posted in channel history, as well as, um, you know, the best video that we've posted out of the last 10. So I really appreciate the support that you guys have shown on that. Um, and then also want to thank uh, Dapper Dan WV for hanging out in the chat. Oh, this is kind of the point of, of having this on Twitch and having this, you know, kind of live, you know, feed going is so that we can interact with you guys. So thank you guys for showing up. I hope we get more of you, more of you out there because we want to hear your guys' thoughts on, on the season. Um, you know, uh, want to hear you guys uh, give us, you know, kind of your opinions on things so we can react to those. You know, we were just in the chat now talking about the group of five schools, um, you know, talking about, you know, Cincy lost, which was unfortunate, uh, Coastal Carolina lost. So I think the banner of the mid-majors, if not, the, if it doesn't go to Ball State, goes to Tulsa because they at least beat their SEC opponent. No, wait, no, they lost to Mississippi State, didn't they? So like all the group of five teams lost, all the, all the like ranked ones lost, except for Liberty who played Coastal. Right. So, yeah, so kind of disappointing to see there because, you know, we all clamor for the group of five, and then uh, they didn't really show up in the bowl games this year. Hey, Cincinnati played a good game. Uh, they, they, they did. They did. Um, but moving on now to wild card weekend, of course, we have to start right here, um, and that is uh, with the Bills and the Colts. Uh, recap of that game, and, you know, we'll get you caught up on the second half here, B. Scott. Um, the Colts trailed 14-10 to 10 at the half. Stephon Diggs uh, got a touchdown catch early in the fourth quarter to make it 24 to 10. Bills, Zach Pascal's touchdown made it 24 to 16. Uh, they went for two, didn't get it. Uh, Jack Doyle then late in the game had a touchdown catch and a two-point conversion, which made it a 27-24 game. The Colts dr were driving late, had an opportunity to possibly set up what would be the game-tying field goal. Uh, there was a play on fourth down and 10 where uh, Rivers passes it to Zach Pascal. Pascal catches it, turns uh, to go upfield. He fumbles the football. Ruling on the field was that he was down. Uh, but, you know, I watched the replays of it a bunch of different times. It looked to me like he fumbled it. Thankfully for the Colts, the call stands, but they don't do anything after that. Um, Rivers uh, throws a Hail Mary up at the end of the game. It's short of the end zone, and the Bills win their first playoff game in 25 years. But, you know, you look at the box score at the, at the end of the game, you see Rivers, 309 yards, two touchdowns, and, you know, that I, in and of itself for Phillip Rivers, I think is an okay, a pretty solid stat line, especially when you compare it to Jared Allen, uh, Josh Allen, who had uh, 324 uh, yards and two touchdowns. Uh, but then you talked about it last week, B. Scott, uh, his ability as a runner uh, for Allen, 54 rushing yards and a touchdown. Jonathan Taylor, solid uh, game on the ground, didn't get to 100 yards, but did rush for 78 yards and a touchdown. And then Stephon Diggs um, had a really good game, uh, six catches, 128 yards and a touchdown. So, uh, you know, some of the key talking points after this game was that, you know, of course, the missed field goal by Rodrigo Blankenship. Um, that obviously goes off the upright. You, you have that field goal, game's tied, and, and everything plays out the same, game's tied at 27. 
Uh, they went for it on fourth and goal uh, earlier on in the game, uh, and they didn't get it. Obviously, you get that touchdown, you're ahead possibly at the end of the game. You kick a field goal there, you're possibly tied at the end of the game if everything plays out similarly. So, you know, that's kind of the – you know, sour grapes that the Colts have. But at the end of the day, you know, B. Scott, we were saying this before, you know, we went live tonight. And that is, you know what? I'm okay with how the Colts season um, has played out. I mean, obviously, it stinks that, you know, it had to, um, you know, obviously end on a loss. But, you know, I sent it out in a tweet that the fact that, you know, the, the Colts uh, played – you know, the, the toughest, you know, the second toughest team, obviously, in the AFC. The AFC has been stacked all season. I'm really excited about the future. Now, obviously, you know, the, that future changed a little bit today with the retiring of Anthony Costanzo. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about the future for the Indianapolis Colts reacting to the game. You know, the loss things, but the future is bright. Um, you know, yes, yes, Rodrigo Blankenship misses a field goal. Um, and, and, you know, obviously that stinks, uh, but I'm okay with the call on fourth down and goal, um, because Pittman, A, had a chance to catch it. It just goes through his fingertips. It was, a, I think, uh, a little bit. It wasn't, I don't know if it just went, he was stretched out. Well, yeah. right, but I mean, he had, a, it's not like. Rivers it wasn't like it hit his hands and he dropped it. Well, it okay, was, was going to be a tough catch. I didn't regardless. compare it to, uh, who was the guy on the, the Bears who, who dropped like a wide open touchdown. I'm not saying it was that bad. I'm just saying like he had an opportunity to catch it. It's not like they ran some like gadget play or something ridiculous or tried to run it straight up the middle or rivers. Like they had Quentin Nelson drop back and pass it to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not like Philip rivers just threw a rocket ship into the 10th row of the bleachers. Like it was a solid play there. There was a chance there. And I mean, you know, at the end of the day, too, I mean, who knows if they get a touchdown there, if they kick a field goal there, who knows how the rest of the game plays out? Because um, that's all, that's always kind of what gets me when people are like, oh, well, if they, you know, you know, there's a missed field goal, which, you know, those happen, whatever. Like, OK, yeah. But at the same time, you know, that's this is judging that the rest of the game plays out exactly the way that it does. It was we, a momentum shift. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Um, but also any of the things we've talked about would have only tied the game. So we don't know, with the exception of, I mean, I guess, obviously, if they had an extra touchdown, obviously, that would be different. But, uh, you know, we don't know what would have happened in overtime. And then, like I said, I think the Colts get away with one with the fumble at the end of the game um, that's called that he's down. I think I think Zach Pascal fumbled. Um, and then, I mean, the biggest thing after that is the fact that they, the Colts ran four plays after that call. Um, and they got negative one yards out of it. They didn't move the ball any further, any closer to give it, give Rodrigo Blankenship a chance. Now, obviously, I know they're running against the clock as well, but they were all kind of trying to get to that mark where they needed to get to the field goal instead of maybe, you know, hey, we'll run one because they got four more plays out of it. So maybe, you know, it's a play to try to get to the first down marker, get to that field goal mark, and then maybe a shorter pass play or something. You know what I mean? The, the play calling was a little suspect in that regard, but at the end of the day, you know, the Colts lose a tough one, but I, I'm not sitting here, you know, t a couple of days later saying like, you know what? It all stinks. Blow it up. They should have won. Get rid of Frank Reich, whatever. No, solid season. I I'll take it with me. You know, I don't, and, uh, and honestly too, I mean, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if they would have had it any easier against the Chiefs next week either. So I, I think, I don't know the season. I mean, basically I we're, we're just going to get the game that, 
is going to be a great game next weekend with the Bills and the Chiefs. I don't think it would have been as good of a game if the Colts had made it. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Right. Um, yeah. Because the, the, the Colts, honestly, thinking about it, the Colts have gotten better since losing to the Chiefs in the divisional round two years ago. But honestly, the Chiefs have gotten better too. The Chiefs are a better team than they were in 2008. Well, the Colts just beat the Chiefs last season. Well, right, but I'm saying they're both better. I'm not saying yeah. that it's a guaranteed loss for the Colts. I'm just saying oh, yeah. both teams have gotten are much improved from then. I mean, and I mean, it was a great win for the Colts in Kansas City. But I mean, even then, I mean, who knows what we would have seen because it was it was Jacoby Brissett. The defense was way different. So, but I think for the better though. So, so we'll see. I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have thought it would be, you know, a blowout on either side. But I mean. I don't know that the Colts beat the Chiefs if they had won. No. Um, what's funny is you said the play calling uh, that those last four plays was kind of suspect. And that's what a lot of people were saying about the entire second half. Um, you know, early on, Jonathan Taylor was, was doing really well in the first half. And that, that it's this, what I'm about to say seems to be a common thread amongst all Colts losses this season. They're running the ball well in the first half. So they get to the second half. And what do they do? They go away from the run. Jonathan Taylor becomes like non-existent out there. And it's, it's one of those confusing things for, for Colts fans. I know, you know, you said, I'm not saying to get rid of Frank Reich or anything or blow it all up. There's actually people out there that are wanting Frank Reich to be fired. They, they're, they, they're, they're tired of the analytics over common sense. They're tired of the suspect play calling. You know, I'm kind of in between on both. I'm I think, okay, if you get rid of Frank, Wright, Who is out there that is going to be better? There's one person, one. I think I'm going to pronounce his name totally wrong, but Eric Biemi, Biemi something uh the offensive coordinator for the kansas city chiefs that's probably about it and he's i don't say he's better he may be as good but maybe not he doesn't have the experience as a as a head coach so i'm like if you want to get rid of frank Reich, who do you want to bring in that could do a better job i mean let's just be honest um i mean you're gonna elevate matt eberflus to head coach i don't know but so let's let's stop all that talk first off. Um, when you look at this this game, though, it, it, it's well, Colts fans in general also are funny because, you know, it wasn't that long ago. We were all so in love with Rodrigo Blankenship. And then he has a rough game to end the season against Jacksonville and misses one against the Bills. And everybody said the Colts have to draft a kicker. They have to draft a kicker. Like, are you serious? no, he's a rookie. Give him, give him a break. I know. I mean, yeah, it, 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 he's doinked a few here recently. He's still a rookie. I mean, nobody comes in right into the league and is at clutch Adam Vinatieri. Uh, we, we know we've been spoiled at, at that position as well. So like, stop, calm down. Rodrigo Blankenship is the answer at, as a kicker for the Colts. Um, but yeah, I don't think this season at all is a failure because they lost in the in the wild card round. I do believe though this was Philip Rivers' first loss in the wild card round as a quarterback. Um, 
I know he was, I think he was undefeated as when he was with the chargers in the, in the wild card round. So, you know, that, that, that kind of stinks for him, but um, yeah, this was definitely not a, a failure by any means. I mean, you look at how deep the AFC was this year and the fact that, you know, we talked last week, the Colts barely made it in at 11 and five. And this, this was a very, very tough conference. No, so no matter what, I mean, look, the Titans, they won the division. They hosted a, a playoff game and they still lost. I mean, the, the AFC is just stacked top to bottom. Anybody in the AFC has a legitimate shot of making the Super Bowl. Can they? It's Kansas City's to lose. But, you know, don't hang your heads by any stretch of the imagination. Remember, this is a team that hasn't been in the playoffs recently. This is a team that's like its, it's ceiling was eight and eight. And a lot of people even thought that about this season. And the defense is, I mean, you just got to look at the, this team as a whole and look at where it's going to be in the future. Yes, I know the Colts have 21 uh, pending free agents. But you look at who some of those free agents are and you can say, you know what, that may end up helping the Colts eventually because you're, you're, not, you're most likely not going to resign T.Y. or Zach Pascal. You may resign one, but you're not resigning both. Um, I think you're more likely to resign Zach Pascal, unfortunately, not that he's a bad player, you know, just because everybody loves T.Y. But, you know, T.Y. is not the same player that he once was. He's a player that relies on his speed. He's getting older, he's slowing down, and he's still more injury prone. So I, I don't see that happening. But, you know, now with Anthony Costanzo retiring, that frees up a lot of money in, in the cap and allows you to now sign Braden Smith to a long-term contract, Darius Leonard to long-term contracts. Uh, you can start talking to Quentin Nelson as well. I mean, th this, this is allowing this team to uh, keep some of its – key players in there and still be able to go out and bring in other uh, still have enough money to bring in some top tier free agents. Is Chris Ballard going to do that? Most likely he's not because that's just not what he does, but you just never, you never know. Um, so I, I think the future's bright with this team, mostly because of the defense, you know, they have one of the best defenses in the entire NFL and that's usually one of the best offensive lines in the entire NFL. Those two things alone are very tough things to build. And if you have those things set up, you can be a championship contender. Now, the biggest thing is they have to find a quarterback. That's the next thing. I, I think they're going to be able to do that, whether it's going to be bringing back Phillip Rivers or, you know, I, I, I've been talking to some other people saying, hey, I'm all for um, trying, to try, trying to sign Dak Prescott. I think he'd be a great fit with the Colts. Uh, some other people are saying, well, you know, why not sell the farm draft pick wise for Deshaun Watson? Yeah, it may cost three future first round picks, but if the Colts are picking in the 28 to 32 range with uh, Deshaun Watson, that's not that bad of a thing to give up. You're, you know, you're not like you're, I mean, it's, I mean, it, it's tough, but to have your, have a, a quarterback in their prime to go along with your weapons, your offensive line, and your stellar defense. I mean, I could see the pushback uh, being pretty much equal on the Texans side too, because if they trade a, a season after trading away DeAndre Hopkins, just in general, to then this following season trade 
uh, you know, Deshaun Watson to not only a division rival, but probably your biggest uh, division rival and the biggest threat to you winning an AFC South for the next however many years. I can't see, I can't see the Texans signing off on that. Well, I don't think you're going to have to worry about that now. Um, one, the team that was looking most likely that they were going to trade for him was Miami, uh, looking at, you know, draft compensation and Tua to the Texans. Um, you know, that Deshaun said he would waive his no trade clause for, for Miami, but Houston's making good on what he's been wanting. Um, he, they came to him about for advice, like, Hey, who are you looking at? Who would be a, who would you think would be a good fit for you at for our, our new head coach? He gave them some names and then they went and talked to everybody else. Well, they, they've like figured out, well, wait a second. These, everybody else that we talked to is not the answer. So now they're interviewing Eric Biemi, uh once he's able to do the interview, the, the offensive coordinator from the chiefs. And that was the, target number one for Deshaun Watson. So Houston may be mending that fence by doing the right thing and hiring Eric Biemi potentially. And they, I think you're not going to see Deshaun Watson on the trade block if that ends up happening. Um, so look for the Colts to make a push for somebody like a Dak Prescott. I still wouldn't be surprised to see the Colts try to make a push for Carson Wentz, even though now there's talk that he's not going to leave Philadelphia since Doug Peterson was uh, let go. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. There is even talk that the Colts could land a Ky- land Kyle Trask in the second round, which wouldn't be a bad thing, but you also got to remember the Colts do have Jacob Eason on the roster. So where do you go? It's going to be, that's probably the two biggest question marks for the Colts this off season are who are you going to bring in at left tackle? Are you going to go through the draft? Cause you're obviously not going to go through free agency. That's going to be very, very tough. And cause when somebody has a, a cornerstone left tackle, they just don't go anywhere. Same thing with pass rushers. Um, so who's going to be at left tackle? Who are you going to have as your quarterback? Because right now you only have one quarterback on the roster. And then the third question the Colts have to answer, um, kind of part, it's question 3A and 3B. 3A being, do you resign Justin Houston? And, and then 3B, if you do resign Justin Houston or if you decide not to resign Justin Houston, who do you bring in as another pass rusher? Um, I'm looking more at resigning Justin Houston and trying to uh, sign Ryan Kerrigan as well another good veteran pass rusher to come in off the other side that could be a very very dangerous combo hey where did ryan kerrigan go to college he went to muncie central for high school i know he's a muncie guy <laughs> he is he, he was he was an all-american at purdue and he was a first yeah. round hey pick. it's okay i'm wearing a purdue sweater it's fine so, i was just trying to get you to say it it's it's not because he's a Purdue guy. No, I know. He's a, he's a solid football player that could really contribute for the Colts. B. Scott, I'm not above getting the low-hanging fruit that is you you and your Purdue fandom. I'm well, not. It, it, it's just, I would say that even if he wasn't a Purdue guy, because he he's a player that's very talented, that's gotten buried on the depth chart by an incompetent Washington football team. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's – well, they don't necessarily because he's on the line. So, like, they don't even or, or like. Well, they play him at linebacker, and he he's a more he's more built and his better. I mean, he's played very well at linebacker as a rush backer, but he's he's more known for putting his hand in the dirt. And as he's getting older, you know, I mean, he's in his thirties. Yeah, and Speaking- as he gets older, I mean, 
that's typically the next step for these bigger linebackers is to move up to D end and get their hand in the dirt again. And that's when they can pin their ears back and just go get the pass, the passer. And they don't have to worry about dropping into coverage. Now, last week you gave us a little bit of a draft uh, preview of what you were thinking. And so like that, well, going back to that, like I, I want to, before well, wrapping things up on the Colts, like that's kind of the, the final thought on is like, I think now knowing what we know about, you know, Anthony Costanza retiring kind of sucks. that was going to happen? Who said that was going to happen? I think it was you, B. Scott. It was I you. called that. I've been calling yeah. that ever since he got he got injured and he was going to have to have season-ending surgery. Coach B is on it. Coach B is just <laughs> nailing it. Um, yeah, but so, like, that's, that's the thing that kind of stinks, you know, in addition to everything else is, like, it would have been nice to see him get – to see him get, like, another playoff win, even though he wasn't on the field for it. Um but, I mean, does, does that mean the Colts try, like, we see another move in the uh, first round for an offensive lineman again like we saw a couple of years ago? No, I don't see that happening because um, majority of the – some there's going to be some really solid offensive linemen, especially tackles, near the back end of the first round. You're So you're still going to be looking at guys like Alex Leatherwood from Alabama or Samuel Cosme from Texas. Those two players would be great cornerstones um, at uh, the left tackle positions. The player you may miss out on that could be fringe if he does fall to you because of a rush on quarterbacks is Christian Darishaw out of Virginia Tech. That is a player to keep an eye on. I mean, those are the three players that if I'm the Colts, I'm targeting in some fashion. I'm bringing, I'm bringing them in for workouts. I'm going to their pro days, well, whatever they're able to do with COVID and everything. But um, those are the three offensive linemen that I'm, I'm seriously can, I'm looking at. There is, I think his name is Liam Eichenberg um, out of Notre Dame as well at tackle. That would be another name to watch for. He may be one of those players that kind of bumps in from the second round into the late first round. So that's a player that I've been seeing rise in uh, different mock drafts. So definitely look out for actually those four players. Be on the lookout for them. I think Darishaw is definitely the, the reach of the two, not because, you know, he's not talented enough, but he may be, he may be a reach because he may not, he's not, he's not going to be there by the time the Colts pick, um, unless there is that run at quarterbacks and at wide receivers, because the, the first round is going to be loaded with those two positions. So if there's a run on those two positions, Darishaw has a potential to fall to 21 to the Colts, but look out for Alex Leatherwood, Sam Cosme, and uh, Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame. So there you go. Hopefully they can get one of those guys and restock there on the offensive line. Cause obviously that's now a huge need uh, for the Colts going into. Uh, I think this that's offseason. definitely, you, that's what you have to go for in yeah. the first round if you're the Colts. So now uh, looking ahead here, uh, before we get to the rest of Wildcard Weekend, we do want to remind you, you can follow us at Crash Course FM on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, Crash Course Podcast. Uh, go subscribe to us on YouTube, Crash Course Podcast. Again, we post uh, the you know this version, uh, the video version of the podcast over on YouTube as well as some snippets of the show as well. Uh, more uh, YouTube exclusive content is in the works, so you won't want to miss that. Also, uh, if you are listening on the audio version of the podcast, remember we do stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash 3C Media. We stream live every Monday. Obviously, we're recording this on Tuesday because of the National Championship game, but typically every Monday we will be live. So make sure you check that out. Also, remember you can like, you can, uh, catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear 
the Crash Course Podcast. Definitely um, check us out on Twitch. I mean, we got two faces for radio here. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's kind of a step away from our comfort zone. You know, this, you know, who would have thought, you know, we were, we were on radio to begin things. Now we were, uh, we're broadcasting our, our mugs for everyone to see. Everybody's now like, that's what they look like. What? I don't, okay. What? I would have stopped listening to them a lot sooner. Uh, (laughs) I mean, crazily enough, this is the fourth national championship game we've wrapped up and the fourth playoffs we've gone through. Yeah. And wait a second, the fourth one, because Alabama. oh no no Alabama didn't play in it last year so Alabama, three out of the four Alabama yeah. played in yeah Alabama Georgia Alabama Clemson Alabama Clemson LSU Alabama or no LSU uh, Clemson and then this year with Alabama and uh, Ohio State and then the first uh, playoffs we did was uh, Eagles and uh, Patriots the first Super Bowl season we did That's so right. so yeah we've come along that, that one we recorded in my living room we did we did On record your way it. home from uh, ten seventy. Yeah, it was it was a good one too, and I, I'm excited to get into uh, to this year's Super Bowl because unlike then, we now with the way Wild Card Weekend kind of you know the way it kind of played out, I really don't have any team I would not like seeing in the Super Bowl with maybe the exception of the Buccaneers, but I think I could look at I could look top, past Tom Brady to see like Rob Gronkowski get another one or Mike Evans get I, one or I, I'm, I'm looking at um, Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is good too. Yeah. Bruce Arians, nobody else. <laughs> um so looking at the rest of wild card weekend here uh following the colts game was Rams seahawks the rams win 30 to 20 uh over the seahawks i think we both had seattle so that's not upset there well, wasn't uh, it like 13 straight home playoff wins for them yeah yeah so the rams the rams snapped that streak uh the buccaneers win 31 to 23 over the washington football team i mean taylor heineke was going off so, for, okay, I didn't see this game. What happened to Alex Smith? So he was ruled out before the game even got going, which okay. was kind of like, as that's soon as, like, and that's what stunk. I mean, obviously, if you're hurt, you're hurt. Taylor Heineke put on a show. Congratulations to him. But, like, that was the thing that kind of stunk about that game is the fact that, like, here we go. Here's this potential upset. Alex Smith, comeback player of the year. Let's go. I'm excited for that game. Oh, Alex Smith isn't playing. Well, now I'm significantly more bummed about this game because I don't think it's going to play out anyway, anywhere close to where it potentially could have if Alex Smith had played. But, um, but regardless, the Buccaneers win by eight. So I mean, it's not like the Buccaneers put it on them. Um, you know, the the Washington football team definitely showed that they deserve to be there. Uh, Tom Brady, done, done. It, like as in retire. No, I don't think he was going to retire. Remember, this is a guy that's going to eat, you know. He's going to play till he's 45. He has the fountain of youth in his backyard. Yeah. He's going to play till the day he dies. I mean, if he ever dies, that's the thing. (laughs) I mean, he's got the fountain of youth. But I I think as a – he's not the Tom Brady that we all have become accustomed to. Let's just be honest. He's not. Oh, yeah. And and what's what's sad is that he's got so many weapons, and it's just still – it's not the same. So I think we're all – we can all say – it was Bill Belichick, not Tom Brady. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, think about – I mean, obviously it's Brady in his prime, but look at, like, what he even had, you know. I mean, obviously he doesn't have what he had when the, he had, when there was, like, Stallworth, Welker, Moss, you know, and those running backs but over there. Even but even last Super Bowl win. Right. Edelman. He has better weapons now than yeah. he did then. I mean, Julian Edelman, that was it, really. Yeah. Oh, he had Gronk. Gronk and Edelman. I mean, seriously? Yeah. You can't get it done. You're, you're struggling to get it done with 
Antonio the, Brown, Mike Brown Evans, now. Chris Godwin, uh, uh, Leonard Fournette. I mean, just basically an all-star team. Or I, I mean, uh, an island of misfit toys. I guess is the more apt. They're they're all good, but they all have their <laughs> their backstories. Um, Sunday games, Ravens beat the Titans. Um, Dan points out in the chat, you know, and and I thought it was pretty crazy as well. Just forty carries uh, or forty yards on eighteen carries for uh, you know Derrick Henry on the uh, on the week on the game for them. So you know, we talked we about that he would hit. You said he would, he would get 150, and I said he would come close. Yeah, we thought, we thought that he was set for a big day, and we were wrong. Uh, the Saints beat the Bears 21-9, to um, and the Browns, the Browns uh, put it on the Steelers. They get five turnovers. They force five turnovers, um, and they win 48-37. to uh, Dan also brought up in the chat he thinks Big Ben will be back. I thought the sentiment was that he might not be. I don't think he will be. You know, but you know, just because of how badly that game ended, with obviously losing to the Browns, sell himself as well. True. Well, and and the thing is, is that like, what is it with teams? We saw this with Clemson, Ohio State. What is it with teams just go like voluntarily giving bulletin board material? to the teams they're playing in a postseason game because the Steelers were like, oh, it's the same old Browns. It's, it's fine. We'll, we're ready for them, which, I mean, I guess that's pretty standard, but at the same time, like, dude, the Browns are – And they're, they're, they're still giving them bullets and board material. Did you see what Chase Claypool has said? No, I didn't see they're, that, no. They're the Browns. They're still going to go out next week and they're going to get bounced. <laughs> I don't think – like, what? You can't say that when you just got bounced. You just got beaten. I mean, they took you out back. They took yeah. you out back. Yeah. And you, 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 you're still running at the mouth? Stop. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> so it's that meme, that Michael Jordan meme on Twitter. Stop it. Get some help. <laughs> uh, so that sets up the divisional round this weekend. Uh, the Rams and the Packers, the Buccaneers and the Saints on the NFC side. AFC, it's going to be the Ravens at the Bills, uh, the Browns at the Chiefs. Um, so that, uh, is going to bring us to our, uh, final segment here of the night. And that is hot or cold, uh, where we, you know, give an opinion and say whether it's a hot take or a cold take. And so let's go ahead and get things kicked off here. First question, the Rams defense will contain Rogers Jones and Adams. I think that is a cold take. Um, you know, starting off with the fact that, you know, the first of all, you take the big three that the Rams just beat, you know, Russell Wilson, uh, Chris Carson and uh, DK Metcalf. So at least this season, I think I'm taking Rogers over us. Uh, I'm taking Aaron Jones over Chris Carson. And I'm taking I mean, in both. I mean, the, the biggest com- comparison between those two that you can make is Devontae Adams and DK Met- Metcalf. And I think that Adams is more consistently good than Metcalf is so already Metcalf is just a freak of nature yeah so already those horrible that, ball handling skills he, he fumbles a lot right and so those those that big three that the Packers have I think is a lot better than the big three of the Seahawks I mean the Packers have one of the best offenses in the league the Seahawks were kind of middle of the road so already you're facing a better quarterback better offense uh, that the Rams are facing and the Packers are four and two against defenses in the top third of the league, the top 11. Um, and they're three and two when the quarterbacks of those teams have a QBR that is uh, uh, like the, the team that is, has a better QBR than, um, than Jared Goff. So this season 
Um, they played Mitchell Trubisky twice. Had a better QBR than Jared Goff. Are you serious? I look. I, I looked this up. That, that is hard to believe. The only the only quarterback with the worst is on the trade block or about to ready to get cut. The only he's about, he's about ready to get he's about ready to get let, let go in free agency. The only quarterback that the uh, that the Packers faced that had a top that was you know on the team of a top eleven defense, but was at a quarterback rating that was worse than Jared Goff was Nick Mullins of the 49ers this season. Uh, the rest, uh, the rest have the, of the defense they played have all been quarterbacked by better quarterbacks than what they'll see this weekend with Jared yeah, Goff. Philip Rivers and the Colts. So yeah, and I mean, and they, so yeah, they they did lose to Philip Rivers and the Colts, which. You know, better quarterback, better team. They lost to, um, you know, they did lose to Tampa Bay, better roster, better quarterback than Jared Goff, better team. Um, so, you know, and on the season, they'd also beat Drew Brees, uh, who his defense is pretty good as well. Um, so, you know, you got, you know, their, their losses have been kind of understandable losses to top tier defenses. And, you know, they've been to teams that have, high-powered offenses as well to match that. And while, yes, the Rams do have, you know, Cam Akers, who had a big game over 100 yards against the Seahawks. Um, they, you know, they have Russell Wilson, who's a, a good quarterback, a top 10 quarterback in the league. You have, you know, uh, you know, you know, they, uh, you know, the Rams have all these great wide receivers. The offense for the Rams, I just, you know, it's not what the, you know, it's not, I don't think it's going to be able to, to compete with the Packers offense and the defense of the Rams. I don't think it's going to be able to keep up uh, with uh, the explosiveness of the uh, Packers offense. So I'm going with a cold take there. Yeah. I'm going with a cold take as well. Uh, I mean, it is in green Bay first off. And the biggest reason I'm saying it's a cold take, it's going to be cold. They are actually looking at a potential snowstorm in green Bay. So that is the type of conditions that the Packers thrive in. And yeah, I think um, LA is going to be like, get us back to the to sunny California and get us out of this snowstorm. Um, so yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to contain Rogers and company. Uh, I mean, Rogers. Let, let's be honest, Rogers is if if not for Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen, Rogers is the clear MVP this season, in my opinion. Uh, question number two, uh, the Bills uh, passing attack will outperform the Ravens uh, rushing attack. The Ravens ran rampant all over uh, the Tennessee Titans this weekend. Uh, just an incredible showing by Lamar Jackson. Um, over 100 yards of, uh, of rushing, 100, uh, 100 yards rushing, 100 yards passing. You don't see that very often in the NFL um, but uh, Lamar Jackson uh, had an incredible game. Um, and you look at it, uh, the Bills have the third best passing offense uh, in the NFL. The Ravens have the first uh, rushing uh, uh, offense. The Ravens have the sixth or sixth against the pass, and the Bills are 17th against the run. So I think this is a cold take. I think the Ravens are due for another big game. I think they're going to beat the Bills this weekend. As much as I want to see the Bills potentially get to the Super Bowl, potentially get that you know, get that, you know, get, get the nineties uh, out of their past a little bit more behind them a little bit. Um, I do think the Ravens get the win this weekend and play really well and, and run the ball well, because I think the defense for the Ravens is just all around better than the bills defense. And I think that the, I think, I think that the bills passing game um, is uh, can be, 
more easily contained by the Ravens defense than the bills being able to stop the run. Because I mean, while the Raven, well, you know, the Colts this weekend did have Jonathan Taylor and the bills did okay against Jonathan Taylor. They also had Phillip rivers who isn't a mobile quarter, isn't a mobile quarterback really at all. So you know, you have two good running backs for the Baltimore Ravens and J.K. Dobbins and, and Gus Edwards, which we can debate whether or not they're comparable to Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. But at the same time, you add that extra element of having, you know, a mobile quarterback. I think that adds a little bit more to the mix. I think Lamar Jackson has a big game. Um, and so I think the Ravens end up beating the Bills. I think it's a cold take. The Ravens have a great day rushing the football. Yeah, I agree. It's a cold take. Um Right now, the I mean, everybody says, yes, the Bills are one of the hottest teams, but right now the hottest team in the NFL is the Ravens. I, that's what I said last week, uh, looking ahead at the wild card weekend. Um, their defense is playing at a different level, and I, 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 I don't think they're scared of anyone. I think what they have right now is they have their eyes. Their, their, their goal right now is to get to Kansas City. They, they want to prove themselves and, you know, it's just one step at a time, to be honest. And this, this is the next step. And I think we're starting to see the evolution of Lamar Jackson into that complete quarterback. I think, well, not just the complete quarterback, but we're starting to see him go back to his bread and butter again, which is using his legs. Um, before he was just, they were trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and it just wasn't working. And so letting him get back to what he does best has really worked very well for them. So, yeah, I think it's a cold take. I think ultimately the Ravens end up beating the Bills. Uh, question number three, the Browns defense will force two or more turnovers versus the Chiefs. Obviously, they got five turnovers this past weekend against the Steelers. They The defense of the Browns really stepped up. Um, but I do also think this is a cold take. A lot of cold takes uh, You know, this weekend talking Fisher. about. It is, it is winter outside. Coming, baby. Winter's coming. <laughs> uh, and so looking at the numbers here, the Chiefs have two games with multiple turnovers all season. So they don't turn the ball over very often. Um, they also uh, have fumbled more than once in just one game. So they don't fumble the ball very often. Um, and they don't turn the ball over in general. But I was looking at uh, Patrick Mahomes' postseason history because people kind of forget this is just the third postseason in three years that Patrick Mahomes has played in as a starter um he uh in, in those games he has turned the ball over he has thrown interceptions uh tw- he has thrown an interception twice and those both came in the super bowl last year now if you want um to you know obviously the 49ers had a great defense the browns could potentially force a uh, you know a few turnovers here and there but they're not the 49ers defense patrick mahomes doesn't throw interceptions in the playoffs the Chiefs don't turn the ball over in general. They don't fumble the ball. So I think the Chiefs are going to just kind of keep it where we're used to seeing it. They're going to, you know, basically, as much as I want to see the Browns pull the upset, I think the Chiefs take care of business. You know, I, you know, you take those turnovers away from Cleveland. I'm not saying they couldn't have still beat the Steelers, but obviously that was a big, you know, source of what the Browns were able to do is those turnovers, case in point, opening snap of the football game. So um, I don't think that happens this week in Kansas City. They take care of the football and Kansas City wins. Yeah, I think it's a cold take as well. If you look at some of the turnovers that Pittsburgh had, they were forced. They were airs on the Pittsburgh side of things. I mean, one of them was a snap over the head of Big Ben. I mean, Cleveland had nothing to do with that. That was just a 
mistake, a miscue between uh, Marquise Pouncey and Big Ben. I mean, so, I mean, could that happen with Kansas City? Yeah, it, it could, but guess what? They're a championship team. Things like that don't happen to championship teams. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a, a cold take. I, I think, you know, Cleveland stepped up to the plate big time against Pittsburgh because of that bulletin board material that was given to them by the Steelers. Um, and as we have seen the Steelers over the past several weeks at the end of the season, they're not as good as we all thought they were based off of their undefeated record at the beginning. Um, so I, I think we kind of got, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland's going to come in with some big heads, to be honest. And they're going to feel like they're world beaters because they beat the Steelers. But guess what? You, you beat a team that was actually probably pretty bad, to be honest. And now you got to go up against the defending world champs. Good luck. Yeah. You, team, you, better, you better be prepared and don't come in with an ego because if you come in with an ego, you're going to get sent home with your head hung very, very low. I mean, you're not going to score. Tw- I mean, I guess you could theoretically because then the Texans scored 24 in the first quarter last year against the Chiefs. And then the Chiefs well, that scored was just, That was just the Chiefs just screwing around. I mean, let's be honest. Good. I think, honestly, I, I don't think it was, oh my gosh, the Texans were that good. And they hung 24 early and got a 24 point lead. I think that was the Texans. That was the Chiefs saying, yeah, we'll spot you at 24. <laughs> and then score 52 on answer or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's honestly what, what, because then they, they did that again against um, Tennessee as well. Yeah. They did the same thing. So yeah, it was, just, and it, I mean, obviously then look at the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's the 49ers. Hey, we'll, we'll let you think you just won this game, but nah. Final question. Uh, the saints will finish the sweep of the Buccaneers on Sunday. I think that is a hot take. The saints have outscored. Hey, spring is here. <laughs> I think that, I think it will be a hot take. The Saints outscored the Buccaneers 72 to 26 in two meetings this season, including 38 to 3 in the most recent meeting. By the way, in the most recent meeting, Alvin Kamara was not the re- uh, leading scorer. Taysom Hill was. So without Alvin Kamara having a great game, without even Michael Thomas having that big of a game, I think he only had like five catches for like 50 odd yards uh, in that game as well. Or, or it was like, it wasn't a high number. It wasn't like any of their prolific players had an amazing game and they still won by you know 35 points um and also i mean you look at both quarterbacks in these games tom brady uh 450 yards two touchdowns but five interceptions against the saints this season the saints uh you know with drew Brees, three almost 400 yards 382 to be exact he's thrown six touchdowns no interceptions so Brees has had uh, a pretty fair you know time against the buccaneers defense and tom brady has been you know, putting up some yardage, putting up some numbers, uh, but has also struggled against the Saints defense. It is in New Orleans, um, you know, even though it's, you know, not obviously full capacity, you know, uh, you know, full capacity in the in the Superdome. It is still, you know, obviously a road game. Um, and so I think I think the Saints do win it, it, as hard as it is to beat a team in professional football three times in one season. I think it does happen. The Saints win. Yeah, I agree. This is definitely a hot take. I mean, the first game to start the season between these two teams, you know, Brady just didn't look like himself. And, you know, I think it was a new system and I'm trying to get used to that and everything. But that last game, that was, Oh, that was, that was in Tampa uh, too. That was in Tampa and Tampa. The, the Buccaneers just looked bad. I mean, 
I think it was a late garbage time touchdown or no field goal. They didn't even score a touchdown in that game. And it was just like, Ooh, that's, that's not pretty. And I, I, I mean, the saints, I, I feel like there may be some talk in the locker room that the saints know that Drew Brees may be retiring at the end of the season, you know, and I think they're going, they're going out there and w- wanting to win, the, win it for him. And, you know, when a team has a, purpose or a mission other than just winning the championship that's when a team becomes really really dangerous in my opinion when they have something else to play for i mean that's what we saw even with the steelers and uh jerome bettis that's what we see, saw with the ravens and ray lewis uh, i mean there we is something to broncos that. and peyton manning yeah and john Elway. yeah and john Elway. so i mean it is it is something and you know i was talking with some friends today i like obviously and obviously you two b scott like that's kind of the one thing i think you know a lot of football fans may be, you know, universally pulling for us to see Drew Brees, you know, go out on top, possibly win another championship to cap his career off. And wouldn't it be great? You know, he's battling with Drew Brees for uh, most career touchdowns. Wouldn't it be great for him to, on his way to getting his second ring, to actually beat Tom Brady? Yeah, I mean, and he's not had the opportunity to in the postseason. Um, you no, know, it's, they yeah. have not faced each other because they've no. never played in the Super Bowl in the first year. Have they did they ever play each other when Drew was with the Chargers uh, in the playoffs? That is probably true. not. Probably, Pro- not probably not, but I didn't even think I I because I'm I don't think they made the playoffs. I, I don't remember. That was a long time yeah. ago. I was a freshman in high it's school. It's the first time in many moons that <laughs> that Drew Brees, if ever, has ever speaking, played Tom Brady. Speaking of which, did you see that tweet that Tom Brady put out? The graphic from the history channel. Oh yeah, I did see that. Him and Drew as old men. Oh, that was great. Uh, I, I will say this: that since Tom Brady has left the New England Patriots, his social media game has risen, uh, and it, it's it's great. It's given me a whole new respect for him. I mean, just the beard on Brady alone, I was a fan of. Yeah. And then you have Breeze looking like a like middle aged dad. Like I loved it. Uh, wasn't it? I thought Breeze kind of looked more like the. I hate to say this because I'm a huge Drew Brees fan, but did you ever see the show Family Guy? The old perverted man that like oh my gosh, he looked like Herbert. Oh my gosh, kind of looked like that. Well, you know what? Hopefully, Herbert can make his way to the Super Bowl and get one as he's going out. You know, go out on top. Mm. Oh man. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well that will do it uh for this week's edition of the crash course podcast uh, thank you guys all for uh watching listening everybody who is in the chat uh here on twitch everybody who watches it uh on the youtube channel feel free to drop a comment say who you think is going to win if you disagree agree with us on any topics um b scott real quick before we wrap up where can they find you find me on twitter at brandon underscore or yeah brandon underscore scott 87 uh, dude, if you're if you're stepping up your Twitter game like you say you are, you better remember your handle. Well, I couldn't remember where the underscore was. <laughs> oh, true. Also, it's I, not like you I also run, manage like, other, I, other I, Twitter channels. I run five Twitter accounts, so that's all of your burners. So you can, that's all your burners. So you can go harass Colts players, right? No, none of them are burners. <laughs> I them. know. Most of them have the verified check mark next to them. Oh well. Huh. Look at me. I'm B Scott. I'm verified. All right, B Scott. I get it. You're I'm you're not verified. You're I'm coach, nobody. Coach B over here. Um, but yeah, at, at B uh, B underscore Scott. You said eighty seven. Yes. Okay. There you go. So go check out B Scott. 
Uh, remember, you can follow at Crash Course FM uh, on Twitter, Crash Course Podcast on YouTube. Like us on Facebook. Um, and go check us out on Twitch if you haven't already, twitch.tv slash 3C Media. And remember, you can listen every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the Crash Course Podcast. We will be back at the normal time next week uh, on Monday. We will be recapping the divisional round and getting you set for the AFC and NFC championships as we are on the road uh, to the Super Bowl here in 2021. But until then, have a good week, everybody.